It's longer time. Yay! Yay. Lager Time, Poems, Stories and Thoughts, by me, Paul Cree. Who else? Greetings, bonjour, what's happening? Welcome to Lager Time, Lager Lights of Lagerland Unite. Wherever you are, whoever you are, if any of you really exist, and I'm not just talking to myself. And if that's the case, could be worse, mate. Speaking of which, large uploads of you who listened to the Not Quite Live edition last week, where I ran through a bunch of poems to myself in my little room stroke studio type thing. Gotta say, I enjoy doing it like that with no reaction. I think it really lays the pieces bare when you take an audience away and I get to see what's really what. A little like back in the day when rappers, like me when I first started, would turn up to poetry open mics with a lot of bravado, not like me but occasionally, thinking their big bars were going to blow the roof off. But when you strip the beat away, sometimes they ain't really all that. Saw that a few times over the years. However, doing that podcast really helped me get in shape for a real actually live gig last week which I performed at and had a really good time poetry on Papa Dom's wood green hole type Paul Lyles for putting me on it was a full house decent audience and I dropped what really is a whole new set the only time I performed any of those poems was right here on Lager Time so thank you for helping me get into shape and get back in the game so to speak not on the game but you never know. Hard times. Saw a few faces, a few lager lights, large up dingo scrabs, the jackal himself, Dave Douglas, Dom and Donal, also Catherine and Jen and all the young guys from the Dream Arts crew who I work with every week. It was kind of scary being in front of them as they have to listen to me every week telling them what to do. But they told me they enjoyed it and don't appear to have lost any respect for me, so that's good. Large up Tom, a man like Laurie Eaves who I've not seen since before lockdown. I managed to sell a few books with the help of some of the young guys. Thank you to everyone that bought one. Walked away with a few squid in the skyrocket, mate. On the bill that night was Celia Bax, who was really good. She's got a bright future. Paul Lyles, who I spoke about a lot last week. And of course, the headliner, Michael Rosen, who was great. So easy on stage all those years in the game and a very nice chap indeed swears quite a lot (laughs) also in a world of coincidences my good pal and Beats and Elements collaborator Conrad Murray is the musical director of an adaptation of a Michael Rosen book called Unexpected Twist which is about to go on a national tour and features a few of the Beatbox Academy Dons Kate Donaghy, Nadine Rose Johnson, Apollo and more Speaking of collaborations, another Beats and Elements alumni, Lakeisha Lynch-Stevens, a.k.a. Kiki, has put out another new album called Future Dead Chick, which I've got a verse on. It's a concept album. She's recorded all the sounds on a loop station, much like I do, but a lot better. Have a listen. Kiki is a ridiculous talent. Go check her out. 
So I've been slowly making a few improvements in my office stroke studio. Been fitting some acoustic proofing. I've upgraded my software and got a few new additional audio editing bits. No political affiliations here, but I want to level up everything I'm doing. With these sort of stories, I want more time to produce them. So I reckon I might do one a month. That way I can be a bit more consistent and do one other podcast that can be more general stuff like poems, articles or whatever. So two a month, that's the aim. So as ever, your support is appreciated. But if you want to support more, subscribe. Maybe recommend it to a mate who might like it. You can make a donation on my Ko-Fi, purchase a book, The Suburban on my website, stream my EP, toast in the machine or simply just enjoy this or not. That's probably fair. I reckon that's it for now. Enjoy the second part of the under 18 story. Large up an old pal of mine, Paul Ramiz, who's got in contact recently. He was certainly there at some of those back in the day and had a slick pair of pinstripes, if I remember rightly. Peas and taters. Paul. Satellite Stories, Episode 9, Standing, Blend Out, Part 2. This was it. We were in, mate. Shoulders out, head up, butterflies hidden underneath badly fitting Ralphs, Tommy Hilfigers, and a budget Ben Sherman in my case. School loafers buffed and shined. Well, kind of. Me, Mo, Rich, Pidge, and VJ. We were inside the club. The under 18s, like real geezers. Rude boys, white boys, feeling like we had a bit about us. Stepping into the new world of beats, birds and banter. The carpet was sticky. It was dark, with neon lights everywhere, blues, whites and yellows and bars all round the edges. This was sick. The design focused on the dance floor being in the middle with some sort of balcony up above, Kazi's in the corner. It was rammed already, with the queue outside still massive. Dance floor was buzzing with teens, little groups of boys and girls feeling each other out, quite literally in many cases. There were chicks dancing in the podiums, singing along to whatever crap was blaring out the speakers, couples already getting off of each other in corners and crews of geezers stood round the edges, not saying much but with hawk eyes on the dance floor. So like, once inside, what do you actually do in clubs? Mo had the good sense to suggest we take a walk round the edges, get the lay of the land type thing, do what geezers, rude boys and white boys probably do in these situations, let people know we were about, scope out the situation, 
maybe say hello to some faces, nod to the bad boys. Yeah, 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 what you saying, bruv, yeah? Catch eyes with some pretty females, bowl to the dance floor and bust a few moves to a few tunes and maybe move to a few chicks, kiss a few lips and get a few numbers like it's nothing, mate. As you do, as per, like geezers, rude boys and white boys, this was us, mate. Okay, Icon Diva, you're looking hot tonight. Don't forget to get your birthday shout-outs in. I'll take and all the crew The music was loud, but not that loud. Somehow it sounded more banging outside. The DJ was playing a mix of commercial garage, charty house and trancey stuff. It was a bit shit, but alright, I guess. He also had one of them generic DJ voices that they all seem to have no matter what part of the country they're from. But we were in a nightclub, like geezers. There were pretty birds everywhere and that faint sliver of hope that we could, maybe, might just get off with some, maybe even get some feel-ups or get a number or just maybe like talk some words to them there was an air of opportunity I'd not felt before like 19th century immigrants getting off the boats at Ellis Island in New York full of hopes and aspirations and dreams of chicks, of beats loafers, pinstripes and Ralph shirts and the possibility of some decent music being played later on as the night progressed and the more banging beats would come out jungle hopefully I could really find myself here Show all these dickheads what I'm about. This was me, mate. Banging music, bowling about with the boys, chilling with the girls, being a face, safe with the rude boys, respected by the white boys and ally of the geeks. Stepping on the dance floor to bust moves to big grooves and big tunes. Yeah, yeah, mate, I know this tune. Heard it in those clubs in Brighton and London. Got it on one label, mate. Like it was nothing. Just another day, like this is what I do. Yeah, mate, this was me. Or it could be me. I mean, I wanted it to be me. It weren't really me, but it could be me. Maybe. Mo Cooley leading the charge in his blue CK jacket, which he correctly had not removed, even though it was proper hot. We turned around to check out the bar at the back and just, you know, casually grab ourselves some overpriced, watered-down, off-brand sugary soft drinks, as you do. Maybe lean on the bar whilst we sip our overpriced, watered-down, off-brand sugary soft drinks, as you do. Dash away the straws because we ain't no melts, bruv. I didn't even like soft drinks. Too sugary, hard to swallow, but I liked the idea of drinking them. As you do, just like geezers, rude boys and white boys do. Just as we were moving off, the butterfly alarm bell suddenly rang like pigeons scared off a roof by a slam door. The senses tingled. There was a little crew of boys just in front stood by the wall. Something about their energy didn't like it. They kept looking at us. This big cunt in a pink YSL with the collars up, smiling with his smaller, larrier looking mate, glanced at us as we walked towards them. And just as we get close, the big one pushes the smaller one into pitch, who stumbles, 
Then the Larry little cunt gets in his face and I can see the prick's braces in his mouth and spotty mug brushing up against Pidge's arms out, classic rude boy stance. You pushing into me, bruv? No, 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 sorry, mate. It was an accident. I can see Big Cunt and the rest of his mates all laughing. It's the sort of cuntish thing Kells would do. Little man ain't letting up. His forehead is now on pitches as he tries to avoid eye contact looking at the floor. What, bruv? You starting, yeah? You starting? Nah, 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 it's cool. It's cool. Safe, yeah? I'll knock you out, bruv. And all your mates. This little prick didn't look much, but he certainly got bollocks. I'm thinking I could take him. But I'm guessing he's just bait for that big cunt and the rest of them to step in and give us all a pasting. My butterflies are losing their shit like a bad day at the stock exchange, paper all flying about the office. We don't know any of these pricks, but it's a classic Crawley pre-fight tactic and if anything, I'm jealous of the little cunt's confidence to step up like that and offer out a whole group of five geezers for no reason. Even if none of us were up to much in the fighting sense, Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they sensed it in us. Mo then steps forward without even looking at the little prick or his mates and pushes Pidge's arm, leading him away from the group and towards the bar with those dickheads still behind us, still laughing. Prick. I'd have taken him. Yeah, me too. As Pidge looked at Rich. Aside from Rich's astute post-ag analysis, no one said nothing. Music was too loud anyway for talking, but I was certainly a bit shook up. Pidge looked vacant, like he was talking to himself under his breath. We'd all been started on before. This was nothing new. Just weren't nice, that's all. Especially with shitloads of people around. Not that I think anyone noticed or cared. I spent the next few minutes imagining scenarios where I banged out all those pricks on behalf of all the geeks and bullied kids, then bought them all overpriced watered-down sugary soft drinks like some kind of suburban underage Batman, quietly walking out the club with the hottest chick in there. Or maybe, like, several hot chicks, with a sick pair of trainers on, but, like, all humble on that. Okay, security to the dance floor, security to the dance floor, lovely. Dickheads like those boys were par for the course round these parts, but when there were so many tasty girls about, they were quickly forgotten, though it was a timely reminder that you always had to be on your guard to some degree. For a relatively small pond, Crawley had more than its fair share of plastic piranhas all wanting to play toy shark. As we made our way around, I was starting to get the impression that not all the guys in here were under 18. Some of them looked way older. They were bigger. But it weren't just that. It was the way they held themselves. The way some of these chicks just magnetised towards them. It was kind of demoralising. And a bit intimidating and yet I was envious. One of them Croydon crews was holding down a whole corner of the dance floor. All the geezers being careful not to get too close. And in amongst all the machine of an iceberg was a whole bunch of females doing their very best to hold their attention. I don't know if those Croydon boys were that bothered, but those girls certainly got mine. I didn't even know girls could dance like that in real life, thought they only did it in music videos, all bumping and grinding, hips gyrating, it was mesmerising. And every now and again, 
one of them root boys would just take a few steps towards them and scoop them up, sometimes two at a time, made it look so easy. We had no chance, like, how do you even do that? Oh gosh, I was out with ladies, got some wild ones inside, oh gosh. We decided to head downstairs, into the diva section of the club. This bit, on a normal night, was open to the over 25s only. But tonight, maybe due to the sheer amount of horny and rowdy youngsters, the whole club was opened up. Just bopping down those stairs, I felt myself maturing, like some European cheese I didn't yet know the name of. It was a lot smaller down there in Diva, and the decor was a bit lighter, loads of light browns and lesser than neon. It was a lot more compact, but the vibe was good. More for the mature crowd. DJ was spinning hip-hop, so we all got our bop on and found ourselves on the podium, dancing to California Love by Tupac. It was whilst up there on the podium, bopping away. I noticed one of my brother's mates, Lenny, in the DJ booth, DJing. Lenny was a real face about town. Everyone knew Lenny. Lenny was cool, and I knew him. So by extension, that kind of made me cool. And Mo knew him too. We all knew him. But more importantly, Lenny knew me. And Mo. Yo, hold tight, Mo and all the Wolfies crew. What? Hold tight, Mo and all the Wolfies crew. What about me, Lenny? What about me? Where's my name in the shout out? Surely I deserve more than just being part of the nameless auxiliary crew. I knew Mo knew him, but Lenny had been round our house for tea loads of times. Still though. At least one chick turned around to look up at the podium to check out this so-called Mo and all the Wilfrey's crew. Felt like leaning down to that girl to let her know that I was the humble, silent partner in the official Lenny affiliation of this crew. Yeah, yeah, I know that DJ as well, yeah? His name's Lenny, innit? He's my brother's mate, but like, I'm safe with him as well, yeah? Not just Mo, me as well, yeah? Me and Paul and all the Wilfrey's crew, yeah? So like, are you gonna get off of me? Saw some other pricks from our school in there who also cheered at the shout out, which pissed me off. It weren't meant for them. They weren't cool with Lenny. Dickheads trying to steal our hype. But I guess it was good that they were repping our school. Let all these other dickheads know that we were about. Lenny dropped a few more bangers and even got on the mic and spat a few bars. He was so cool. I was enjoying it. Felt like a moment, especially when that Eminem tune came on my name is and loads of the girls grabbed their boobs or their friends boobs on that mama you ain't got no tits line i'd never seen anything like it they were so brazen it was amazing We decided to head back upstairs to see what was going on and I took it as an opportunity to go for a pack cash. All that watered down overpriced sugary soft drink was going right through me. I get into the Kazi, do what I need to do. As I'm washing my hands, two geezers walk in. Alright Paul. Alright. Boy, someone said my name. Sick. It's a kid called James that I barely know from cadets but he was kinda cool. And he just acknowledged me, which was kind of cool and by extension made me kind of cool, surely. Gave me a little buzz. 
Just a shame there was no ladies about to witness that confirmation of my geezer face status. So I'm trying my hands, keeping it understated, as James and his mates are presumably pissing in the urinals when a few boys from that Croydon lot walk in, like big cats prowling on the Serengeti. Shit. Head down, stare into the steel plate in the dryer and pray they don't view me as prey. And they don't. They walk straight past me. Biggest one out of them in a red and white machino, like an Ajax shirt, has gone straight up to James whilst he's pissing in the urinal, towering over him, those additional London tones on his accent like extra chilli and a hot curry. Hey yo, you blood, you just banged into my back on the dance floor blood. I'm letting you know blood. I'm stood by the dryer and I can see the back of this guy and the side of James's head. One of the other Croydon guys stood behind him. I can see that he's leaned in further and I'm worried that James is going to end up splashing on this prick's Air Max. He's that close. And if he was this bothered about being brushed in the back or whatever, what's he going to do when there's piss on his shoe? Uh, what? I said blood, I'm letting you know blood. Yeah, I'm letting you know. So what are you going to do blood? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry mate. Uh, I didn't mean to lie. You sorry, yeah? You sorry, yeah? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. Alright, blood. I'll let you off this time. But I'm letting you know you violated, blood. Next time, yeah? Next time. I'm letting you know. And he bowls out of his crew. Shit. What a cunt. Do I say something to James? Don't want him to think that I think he's a pussy. But then, that was pretty scary. But his mate was there. His mate didn't say nothing. What a pussy. I slipped out behind them, feeling bad for James, but thinking at least they didn't do anything. Overheard someone saying earlier that a few of those Croydon boys had come down with blades and had stashed them somewhere. Why were they bringing blades? What's wrong with these dickheads? And why go into a pack club if you don't want to get accidentally touched on the back? I found the boys and we decided to make our first tentative steps towards the dance floor. Each one of us fighting our own battles to find the beat, jump inside it and then ride it into the sunset. Hopefully with one of these many chicks gyrating around us. Mo's a good mover, rich, visually confident but terrible, no rhythm. Pidge isn't bad. He's a music head, so it makes sense. But he's trying too hard. VJ is just sort of like jumping on the spot like he's holding in a piss. And me, I'm struggling, mate. If there's one thing my big ass family is good at, it's music. I play the drums. I have some sense of rhythm and timing. In my bedroom, I've got good moves, mate. But it's like my limbs and shoulders are freezing up. So I hold a tight space and just slightly move my feet back and forth, just keeping in time. Pidge leans in laughing. You're shooter dancing, bruv. What? You're shooter dancing, bruv. What? Rich leans in. He says you're shooter dancing, bruv. What? No, I ain't. Dickheads, not giving me a chance. Yet they've already pissed on my firework. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm only just getting into this, but I feel like I hate it. I love music and dancing and chicks, but this is... Okay, I'm getting into it. I start to loosen up. And then that Armin Van Helden tune, You Don't Know Me, kicks in, which is sick. And I'm now actually enjoying myself. A group of girls has appeared right by us and my senses are coming off. They're all fit, even if they're not. And I find my feet and my body slowly moving towards them. There's this one in all white with blonde hair of a white hairband. It's like I'm a giant paperclip moving towards a magnet. My back is now against her back and I swear I just rub bums in one of them. Hopefully the blonde one. Oh shit. And again, what? This is sick. I turn around and fuck me, it's Pidge. The fat cunt has moved in between me and that blonde chick and he's now dancing with her. And he's shorter than her, for fuck's sake. Ah shit, and by the looks of it, Mo and Rich are also dancing with two of their mates. Like Pidge just broke down a social barrier and only invited those two in. I was getting in there as well. I now don't don't know what to do. It's like I'm in no man's land with nowhere to turn and everyone can see, so I just try and concentrate on dancing to the music. But I'm so aware of these chicks and everyone around me thinking I'm the lemon, that I'm losing my rhythm again. I glance over my shoulder and I see the chicken the white has given Pidge the brush off. Rightly so, fat mug. She was way out of his league. So he's now back dancing with me and VJ. But I'm kind of glad he's here. Rich has wasted no time and he's already getting on the chick he's dancing with. She ain't all that. But then I guess nor is he. None of us are, except for this chicken white. Mo's now talking to someone he knows and suddenly we're separated and unconsciously, consciously, slowly dancing my way back to the safety of the side in a subtle retreat where it's safe from embarrassment and humiliation and Pigeon VJ do the same. We decide to go and get some more overpriced watered down off-brand sugary soft drinks and by the time we get back to the edge of the dance floor, Mo rejoins us. Looks like Ridge is all over that same chick. Fair play to him and her. Mo leans in. You having a good time, mate? Yeah, bruv. Sick. 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 Loving it. I hate this. This mixture of sadness and desperation has begun to settle in as I watch more people couple up and dance together, badly, having a great time, locking in limbs and lips like it's the last thing they're ever going to do. I scan about again and see Kells on the dance floor grinding with some chick with her back to me. I was wondering when that prick was going to turn up. He catches his eye contact, then sniffs his fingers and smiles. Okay, Crawley, who's having a good time? Not me, you cunt. When are you going to play some jungle? We moved back downstairs for the remainder of the night. At least the music was better. Lenny was no longer around, but the DJ was playing hip-hop and R&B. I wasn't so big on the R&B, but the girls clearly liked it. As the night wore on, I felt the simultaneous feeling of the 19th century American dream dying, but the pressure to make the most of this chick heaven mounting like the beginnings of a cyclone in my tummy. I just didn't know what to do. I had no plans except for the old school one of asking a chick to dance, but more and more just felt this thing that I had to do right there and then like it was my duty and if I didn't, I'd die of disappointment or something. 
The night was drawing to a close and the DJ dimmed the lights a bit. Everyone started coupling up. Some chick grabbed VJ and pulled him onto the dance floor as we watched on the side. It was then this girl caught my eye. She was quite pretty, a bit chubby but was standing on her own, looking a bit forlorn. A kindred spirit perhaps. Low self-esteem perhaps. Jealous of friends getting feel-ups perhaps. A match made in heaven, surely. We already had so much in common. This was it. Casey and Jojo all my life came on, which I secretly loved and on occasion pretended to sing in my room. I left the boys without them noticing and walked that ten or so metres between us like I was stepping up to take a penalty in a World Cup knockout game. She was still looking into the dance floor and hadn't noticed me. Everyone was too involved in their own feel-ups and French kissing like frightened fighting sea lions and just as I approached, she turned to look at me. She was wearing a white vest top, her hair was light brown and in a bun. I leaned in and gave up my best. Uh, do you want to dance with me? Um, okay. Shit. I wasn't expecting her to say that. I couldn't believe it. Shit. What was I supposed to do now? My shoulders went back. I looped my arm over her head and put it on her bare arm. Wow, her skin felt so nice. And we both started to walk towards the dance floor. Just like a geezer, a, a white boy, a root boy, like it was nothing. Just me and a lovely chick who I'm already thinking about marrying. We walk about ten paces. This is sick, then the house lights come on. Okay, boys and girls, that's it for tonight. Safe journeys home, yeah. Make your way to the exit, please. Make your way to the exit. I turned to look at her. She looked at me, shrugged her shoulders, then slipped out my arm and I just sort of turned around and walked towards the boys. We were now all gathered, including Rich, Kells, Gareth and Brendan, all looking at me, cracking up and making wanker signs. Despite feeling a bit gutted of what could have been, I'd had a fairly good time and the feeling of possibility was still there as we streamed out. They were giving out flyers for the next event and I vowed that I'd be back and with more links than ever before and maybe an earring. We all got outside and parted ways. The boys heading off towards Broadfield all rolled together. Rich went towards where his mum was parked and me and Mo towards the station where he'd leave me. I was starting to get that horrible feeling of being on my own again. I said latest to Mo, just as I noticed a few of those Croydon boys walk towards the skip and each retrieve one of them night drawstring bags from underneath, then jump over the wall onto the platform. As I got into the ticket hall, I could hear some sort of fight happening on the platform, in what sounded like a few of those Croydon boys. A bunch of cruelty faces came bursting through the station doors and onto the platform. There was a load more shouting, but I stayed back in the ticket hall, so couldn't quite see what was going on. The platform was packed, mostly with those hawley lot. The train rolled in and I quickly jumped on, this time sitting right near the Hawley kids. I had a bad feeling. All those cruelty boys like Shane O'Connell and Yusuf stood on the platform, arms out, a couple of them booting the doors as the train moved off. I caught a few of them Croydon boys hanging out the window giving them wanker signs and laughing. Felt kind of proud of that cruelty lot. Can't have these Croydon kids coming down and taking the piss. Once the train had got moving, 
A few of those Croydon boys kept coming back and forth through the carriage, eyeing up everyone as they went past. The butterflies were telling me that they were on the rob, and I could hear some more shouting coming from the next carriage on. And a quick glance down on the edge of my seat, I could see a whole crew of them all stood up, but looking like they were arguing with whoever was sat down. I was praying the train would stop at Gatwick before they got into our carriage, and when the driver slowly applied the brakes, it felt like years before the train actually stopped. I jumped straight off and ran down the opposite end to get back on again. As I did this, I could see through the window into the carriage as a bunch of them Croydon lot were stomping out some guy on the seat all shouting, couple of girls screaming. The end carriage where I got in was much quieter. There were a few airport travellers with their suitcases which weirdly made me feel a little bit more reassured, but I was still shitting it. For what is probably one of the shortest rail journeys on the whole network, Gatwick to Hawley, it felt like it took 10 years, and when it finally got to Hawley, I jumped straight off and flew up them stairs, not caring if I looked like a loner or not. I was out of there, managing to notice a few girls in tears, makeup all streaming. I later heard they robbed loads of kids on that train, wallets, money, watches, even took one kid's shoes. Cunts. I got home feeling relieved. Relieved that I didn't get robbed. Relieved that I didn't get kicked in. Made it home in one piece. Managed to put my arm around the girl, even if only for about 30 seconds. And could finally say I'd been to a nightclub with loud but not quite banging enough music. And I survived like a geezer. A rude boy, a white boy, and probably none of the above. Lager Time Poems, Stories and Thoughts By me, Paul Cree Who else?